0: Welcome to the first bonus episode of the Cannibal Podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about Stephen Hassan's Bite Model. Uh, I'm mainly going through this so that we all have a, sort of a basis for what I'm going to be calling a cult moving forward. Because I don't want anyone to think that I'm just assigning this label to any organization that I don't agree with or that I think my audience won't agree with, because I do have some guidelines for what I'm going to be calling a cult. It's not arbitrary on my part. There's a lot of research that has gone into this, and I really agree with what Hassan has to say. So the Byte Model, for those of you who don't know, it is basically some guidelines for assessing whether or not something is a cult. Stephen Hassan, he was a member of the Mooney cult, um, the Unification Church, which we're going to be covering this monday so he was uh he was taken from the cult he was deprogrammed and then he started doing all this cult research trying to get people out of cults and trying to promote um freedom of mind which is his website which is where i got this information freedomofmind.com i believe yeah freedomofmind.com so all of the the things i'm going to be talking about are on freedomofmind.com forward slash WP dash content slash upload slash 2018 slash 12 slash B I T E dash model dash handout dash 9 dash 23 dash 16 dot PDF. So that's where you can find this. I highly recommend uh, looking through it if you don't want to listen to me talk for like upwards of an hour right now because I'm going to be going through the model and then giving examples based on what I know. And by the way, the examples that I I give probably aren't going to be from what a lot of you would consider a cult because they're religions that I'm most familiar with. I use a lot of um I use a lot of examples from the LDS Church and from Jehovah's Witnesses because while it isn't it's uncomfortable to be calling these very mainstream religions a cult, they do check a lot of boxes, but not all of them. Then again, all of the boxes don't need to be checked for something to be considered a cult. So I'm going to be using a lot of um, examples from those two uh, organizations because I am fairly knowledgeable about them. Uh, Some other things, I'm getting sick or I'm having allergies or something. I don't know if you can tell, but this isn't normally how my voice sounds, I don't think. This is the second time I'm recording this because the first time I just sounded like lethargic and like i was whispering so if it sounds like i'm yelling now it's because i'm trying to make up for the last recording it's about eight at night while i'm recording this so i have a a cup of black espresso next to me to make sure i don't get sleepy and get boring to listen to which i can't promise um that this won't be boring either because it is pretty it is pretty straightforward and it's just me i don't have a guest today and with that, uh, I'm going to go ahead and dive right in. So the BITE model, um, B-I-T-E, it stands for Behavior, Information, Thought, and Emotion Control. Th- these are the ways that cults control people and keep them under their thumbs, basically. So I'm going to start out with the behavior, and I'm going to give an example, not exactly for everyone, but uh, as many as I could think of, as many as I thought were were worth going into a little bit more, which all of them are. You could go into all of them indefinitely. It's a really fascinating list. Um, You could definitely apply it to a lot of things. So here we go. Regulate an individual's physical reality. Now, if this means what I think it means, then some examples I would give are um, the certain types of Christians who believe that there are literal demons like out and about in the world. That's certainly a reflection of how they interpret reality. Another is um, the relatively small cult Christian Science which it tells its members that reality as they perceive it is pretty much an illusion and so you don't need medicine, you don't need any kind of medical care, you just need to pray really hard and if you aren't healed then you weren't praying hard enough. Dictate where, how, and with whom the member lives, associates, and isolate. So this is like when people are excommunicated. The Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, a lot of people completely cut off family and friends when they leave the church and although there's no rule explicitly stating that they can't have Jehovah's Witness friends, having close relationships with worldly people is highly discouraged. Another thing with Jehovah's Witnesses, there's a really negative view of divorce. The view pretty much being don't do it. It'll be looked down upon unless it's in the most extreme circumstances which are willful non-support like having a spouse who's able to work but refuses to be anything but a burden, extreme physical abuse which in itself seems really problematic just the wording there extreme physical abuse because I for one I feel like any level of physical abuse that isn't immediately terminated upon identification is grounds for a divorce. Well. No, I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge the fact that I have no right to decide when people do or don't get divorced. I'm going to go ahead and say you don't have to be being abused to get divorced. You could just be unhappy. You know what? I'm going to stop talking about divorce because I've never been married and I don't know. I don't know the reasons people get divorced, but I support you as an individual. Uh, anyway, the third reason is the absolute endangerment of spiritual life. So say you married a person and then you became a Jehovah's Witness and they didn't want to convert with you or you were both Jehovah's Witnesses when you were married and they've lost their faith. That would be grounds for a divorce in the eyes of the church. But even if you do get divorced as a witness you aren't permitted scripturally to remarry since in the eyes of the church there is no such thing as divorce. Therefore um, they can't legally stop you from getting divorced but the elders will still view you as married uh, in the church. I would say strongly encouraging people to stay with spouses who are potentially abusive is definitely dictating with whom a member lives. This is also obviously found on the compound-type cults where the members live together because the dictation is, well, to live on the compound and live with everyone else. When, how, and with whom the member has sex. Okay, this is a big one. We were just talking about this with the Arm and My This episode from um, earlier this week how big a factor sex is in, like, just human existence. Um, I believe we said something along the lines of sex, eating, and death are the ways that are the ways to control people or they're big parts of life or something to that effect because those are the big things that we see in, well, cannibalism because, you know, I, I love to talk about cannibals. And it's true. Sex is a huge part of being a person. None of us can deny that. It's a big part of our society and pretty much any society you live in. There are a lot of organizations that place stipulations on sex, sexual identity, and sexual expression. And I would say it's um, almost always used as a shame tactic to suppress their members and to keep them returning to the rules and the doctrine for the answers, which, as we'll get into in a minute, is part of self-indoctrination. And that's a horrible place to get to because it's really hard to break away from a harmful organization if you are at the self-indoctrination stage. A lot of groups do this. Christians, as a general category, typically preach celibacy, so there's that. There are also the sex cults, quote-unquote, where young girls, for example, are told they need to share their sexuality with the leader or with God or whatever. Number four is controlling types of clothing and hairstyles. Mormons do this with their insistence that women dress modestly, and there's the whole holy garment business muslims do this with their various garments women are encouraged to wear okay so this is a good time to say something else um i will say that i live in the united states i am much more familiar with christianity i feel more claim i guess to calling out christians and certainly i will use the broader christian category to talk about the beliefs that most christian denominations hold according to my experience and it's the same with any other religion i'm familiar with But I don't think that Christianity in itself is a cult. I also don't think that Islam in itself is a cult. I just want to specify that because I don't know a lot about Islam and I won't talk about it as much as I will talk about Christianity. But I don't think either religion as a larger category is a cult. And since I'm already on the subject, I definitely don't think either of them is more right. Regulate diet, food and drink, hunger and or fasting. Mormons do this. Members aren't allowed to have alcohol, tobacco, and hot drinks, which I guess hot drinks is just coffee and tea. I'm actually not positive about that, but I've like done a little bit of research and that seems to be what it is. So you've probably noticed by now that I'm kind of recycling the same groups and it's not because I have anything against these groups in particular. As I said at the beginning, it's just what I'm familiar with. If there are more appropriate examples, which I'm sure there are because I'm using examples from groups that are relatively um tame in their their cult-like aspects so feel free to let me know if you have like better examples on twitter or instagram or in the comments if you're watching this on youtube because that'd be great and i'll definitely try to like bring that up in the future episodes i'm trying to incorporate as many cult techniques and beliefs into my brain as possible to dissect and compare to other circumstances in order to find a deeper truth about the human condition manipulation and deprivation of sleep this is um a really dumb example but the only thing i can really think of here is that there was an episode of king of the hill where luann accidentally joins a cult thinking it's a sorority and they and they do a lot of the things that's um described on this list maybe i'll like do a bonus episode where i give commentary about that or something (laughs) i think i might We uh, actually find out it's a cult when another girl from the sorority is grabbed off the sidewalk and taken into a van to be deprogrammed. Again, we're going to be talking a lot about that type of deprogramming, too. It has a lot of, this episode has a lot of um, truths about cults, I guess you could say. This is my favorite episode as a kid because my family loved that show and we used to watch it all the time. And, you know, I guess we know now why it was my favorite episode. Financial exploitation, manipulation, or dependence. I'm gonna go ahead and say Scientology is probably the biggest example of this. The biggest example that I'm aware of, definitely. Except for maybe pyramid schemes that could be considered cults. For Scientologists, it's like they're constantly being squeezed for money and the price is the same for all members. There's no understanding, there's no proportional payment. It's really just all a money grab on the organization's part. Restrict leisure, entertainment, and vacation time major time spent with group indoctrination and rituals and or self-indoctrination including the internet. So I'm going to talk for this one about self-indoctrination because it's scary. I didn't know the term self-indoctrination or really what it entailed until I started pursuing uh, cults Until I started pursuing the cults and atheism side of YouTube. By the way, I highly recommend Mr. Atheist, Telltale, and Rachel Oates. They're all YouTubers that I've recently acquired a fondness for. Very recently, by the way. But I have, like, I've never cared for YouTube. I've never watched YouTube until I started watching Mr. Atheist. And then from there, I just, like, got deep into this um this side of youtube and that's just what i've been doing with my free time which isn't a lot because i've been working on the podcast a lot anyway self indoctrination as i understand it is uh, basically using any evidence you can twist to reaffirm your belief in something an example that i like namely because it was the the first example that was used to ex to introduce me to the subject Is Emma Mae Jenkins waking up with God video or maybe it's like waking up with Jesus or my morning with God It doesn't matter. Don't watch it. It's kind of sad But what she does in the video is she takes you through her morning routine very slowly explaining every step in which she Remembers God or thanks God or attributes some arbitrary facet of human existence to God. Spoiler alert It's literally everything We're at number 10 now of the behavior permission required for major decisions oh it looks like on my my notes all i wrote for this one was fuck that all right thoughts feelings and activities of self and others reported to superiors so this is like confession the catholic church also mormons they have meetings with like their children members i guess and they ask them weird and personal questions as far as I've heard, I'm not Mormon and I've never been Mormon and I don't have personal experience with the Mormon church, but I do live in an area with a lot of them. And even though I don't hear a lot about their religion from the horse's mouth, so to speak, I have, um, I've heard a lot about their, uh, their practices and beliefs. So I could be wrong, definitely, because this is just stuff that I've heard, but the research that I do is from ex-members of these groups, so if I am wrong, it's probably because something changed and not because I'm just lying. <laughs> Rewards and punishments are used to modify behaviors, both positive and negative. And again, in my notes, I guess I just wrote, yeah, this is fuck this. Cool. Discourage individualism and encourage groupthink. My notes got bad here, I guess, because once again, all I wrote was, fuck this, impose rigid rules and regulations, punish disobedience by beating, torture, burning, cutting, rape, or tattooing slash branding. I actually, like I said, I recorded this episode, but the audio was bad and my voice was weird and it was really disorganized and not interesting. But anyway, last time I mentioned um the DOS uh, subgroup of Nexium because they branded several young women. But... Now that I think about it, that wasn't really punishment. It was more like just imposing authority over these women. But I think they might have also hit them. I'm not sure. I'll definitely have to do an episode about Nexium. I actually don't know of many cults that used outright physical violence. Well, the Branch Davidians, I guess, because there was there was rampant child abuse and whatnot. But I can't I can't pull any others just off the top of my head. Number 18, instill dependency and obedience. The YouTube video I talked about earlier, uh, Telltale, he's an ex-Jehovah's Witness. This is something he said, that the whole not celebrating birthdays and holidays is um, and being in this world, but not of this world, are ways that the church others its members and diverts their allegiance back to the church rather than to the rest of humanity. Encourage and engage in corporal punishment, Once again, fuck you. Great note-taking. Pass, Nicole. So, we're on to information control. And this one, it has um, categories like behavior, but then it's also broken down into like ABC for some of them, not all of them. Number one, deception. The first category within deception is deliberately withholding information. Back when I was just a baby cult fanatic, which would be a few years back, What made me so angry about a lot of groups was just how ridiculous their beliefs were. But as someone who was raised Christian, I'm not any better. It's, I didn't want to call Christianity a cult, but I did want to call these other groups cult. And I decided that if one could prove the cult leader or the members who started it didn't actually believe what they were saying, then everyone, including the members, should just realize it's a cult and be done with it. Now, I had some understanding that a lot of the time... These cult leaders genuinely believe what they're preaching, and it isn't so easy to prove they're lying because they might not be. But it's just back then, I just wanted so desperately to figure out what a cult really meant. Cause like I said, well, I actually don't know if I said this, but I haven't. I didn't hear about Stephen Hassan's bite model until quite recently. I didn't know that there was um there was a use of the word cult basically outside of its uh colloquial meaning because I've never I've never heard a real definition of it before the bite model which is why I love it so much I I really I can't stop talking about it to anyone who will listen every time I I talk about cults in everyday life which is actually a lot more than you would think um I I bring up the bite model because I just think it's so Uh, it's so good to have like a guideline for what a cult is because back when I was just a baby cult fanatic like I said I was trying to figure out what people called cults and I thought that we we should all be able to agree on what we call a cult because cults are Jonestown, cults are the Waco siege, cults are these things where people get stuck in these crazy mindsets and then they all kill themselves and so that's what I thought a cult was because I had never heard a real definition of it but then as as you hear the the colloquial definitions of the word cult you you think that that includes all organizations and all groups and all religions and to some extent it kind of does even the bite model like I said I'm talking about a lot of mainstream religions and so I just wanted there to be a set guideline but I realized now that it's a lot more complicated than that because there isn't always a set guideline and there isn't always an agreement on what we can call a cult and I didn't begin to accept that until I I began to accept that some of the things that I believed for a long time were not only misguided as I, I had thought in the future but completely unreasonable. I had been trying to reconcile a lot that maybe these were just mistranslated and maybe... I don't know what, but but it it took a long time before I could accept the fact that a lot of of mainstream religions have cult aspects. I don't even remember what I was talking about. That wasn't a great place to put that, because this is actually the opposite of deliberately withholding information. This is deliberately giving someone false information, which I guess the truth is the information they're withholding. So another example would be Scientology, how they keep secret all of their weird science fiction stuff from the rest of the world until you're at the top and of course a Shelley Miscavige is, well, gone. B, distort information to make it more acceptable. Every religion is probably guilty of this even in the sense that they might just use more positive language to describe what they're doing and believe than an outsider might use. C, systematically lie to the cult member. This would have been a good place to put that whole thing. But notice that this is just a subcategory within a subcategory within a subcategory of this model. So what little baby Nicole might n- wouldn't have realized was that lying to someone isn't necessarily the biggest um the biggest describing factor because a lot of these leaders don't think they're lying. They're telling the truth on their part. But yeah I just I really wanted there to be a bigger distinction a clearer line between a cult and religion and I think part of the reason um, why in my mind I said that it should be called a cult if you can prove that the leader is lying is because that didn't include Christianity because it's far too old you couldn't possibly say that all of these men in the Bible were lying because you have no proof um I think at the time what I was thinking of because I was finally becoming aware of the huge presence of the LDS church in my uh where I live I was finally becoming aware of that and it it upset me a little bit because I realized that I had a lot of Mormon friends and I was also I was being more open about my sexuality at the time that I was learning about um the LDS church and the the influence that they had so I think where I was coming from was the fact that in my mind, it was so clear that that Joseph Smith was a charlatan and that he was this and he was that. And he, he in my mind, he was just so clearly lying that everyone else should just agree that he was lying and agree with me and we should just be done with it. Because I um I don't want to say that I was dealing with like anything specifically from from Mormons because that that didn't come to til later till my my sophomore year when um I was getting some vague death threats that I didn't even know about until my Mormon friend was like (laughs) yeah my friends want you and your ex-girlfriend dead and I was like okay cool (laughs) anyway that's really off topic so to minimize or discourage access to non-cult sources of information including internet tv radio books articles newspapers magazines other media Be Critical information. I was going to leave this blank, but I'm going to go ahead and say that sex education is critical information. Now, I get it. This probably isn't, like, what it means, and there are most certainly cults that restrict more more urgent and life-threatening information, but I'm just going to toss that in there because I was going to leave this one without an example. C. Former members. Jehovah's Witnesses, again, strongly discourage contact with people who have left the church. Scientology as well. You've probably heard of it, but I'm gonna go ahead and recommend Leah Remini's documentary about Scientology. It's really good. D keep members busy so they don't have time to think and investigate. I I actually left this one blank, but I'm gonna go ahead and um throw in there uh, that episode of King of the Hill as my example. Oh, geez, I can see the audio getting quieter. I should probably probably try to preserve my voice a bit. Control through cell phones with texting, calls, and internet tracking. Three, compartmentalize information into inserter versus outsider doctrine. A, ensure that information is not freely accessible. B, information at different levels and missions within the group. Scientology, again, they have their, their weird little doctrine. I'm gonna have to do more research on that. I feel bad that I'm just calling it like a weird science fiction thing or their weird little doctrine, because the only time I was, um, I heard about it was Leah Remini's, Leah Remini's, uh, documentary, so I don't know a whole lot about it. C, allow only leadership to decide who needs to know what and when. This doesn't exactly apply, but since it's kind of trending right now, I'll uh, once again mention the disappearance of Shelley Miscavige. Four, encourage spying on other members, impose a buddy system to monitor and control members, report deviant thoughts, feelings, and actions to leadership. I've already mentioned this, but the Catholic Church and their confessions and Scientology also does this with their, their like, Dianetics stuff. C. Ensure the individual behavior is monitored by group. Uh, really, you'll find this in any group that stresses uniformity because otherwise the stakes are hell or doomsday or doomsday followed by hell. 5. Extensive use of cult-generated information and propaganda including a newsletter, magazines, journals, audiotapes, videotapes, YouTube, movies, and other media. Jehovah's Witnesses do this. They have the Watchtower Society that disseminates information like magazines and the Caleb and Sophia cartoons. By the way, those fucking cartoons, if you haven't seen them, check them out. But don't go to the Jehovah's Witness website. Like, don't give them the satisfaction. (laughs) Look on YouTube, maybe for some reaction videos if they catch your attention. Again, I recommend Telltale and Mr. Atheist. They've both done some reaction videos. I know other people do reactions, but I've only watched those ones because after a while they just get repetitive. Everyone does the one where they talk about the gays. Telltale did a whole series about these videos. I don't know if he's still doing them, but I like that because he goes through them and like talks individually about, I don't know if it's about each of the cartoons, but it's close. They're really good. And I can't believe I left this out of my notes, but Scientology as well, they have all their their books and their, like, tapes and all that stuff that you're supposed to buy. B. Misquoting statements or using them out of contact from non-cult sources. Oh, Scientologists do this so hardcore at those, um, assemblies where they get everyone together and they talk about all the great things that Scientology's done in the past year. They also, um, just straight up make stuff up. 6. Unethical use of confession information about sins used to disrupt and or dissolve identity boundaries b withholding forgiveness or absolution so that's like the opposite of love bombing that's fun c manipulation of memory possible false memories um i again in my notes i just wrote fuck that that's some serious mind control it sure is so we're finally at thought number one require members to internalize the group's doctrine as the truth Adopt the group's map of reality as thinking, and steal black and white thinking, and decide between good and evil. Yes, once again, I'm going to use um, Christianity as an example. Well, most of, most of Christianity, because it, it varies a lot. So, for a lot of Christians, there's this belief in a holy war that you might not know about if you aren't Christian. Or if you belong to like a super tame sect, or basically they believe that there is a constant war going on all around them, <clears throat> and anything that isn't of God is of the devil and is evil. Organize people into us versus them, insider versus outsider. To change a change a person's name and identity. Um. I I don't know a whole lot about this, but Telltale did mention it because, like I said, he's an ex-Jove jehovah's witness i really like his videos i'm gonna go ahead and say again highly recommend them if you like cults but if you're here for the cannibals then why are you even listening to this but they like people are identified by their association to the church i'm not just uh i'm not just nd goblin i'm i'm sister goblin you know (laughs) i've already said my real name i don't know why anyway because i did not want to say my last name you don't need to know use loaded language and cliches which constrict knowledge, stop critical thoughts, and reduce complexities into platitudinous buzzwords. Oh my god, yes. This is so rampant in a lot of Christian uh, theology. If you ever watch, like, any Christian YouTube videos, you'll find them using a lot of the same words. Maybe not, like, well, yeah, throughout, throughout the different, like, channels, but, um, also just, like, within their own channel, they'll use a lot of the same words. I realize see that a lot of people have like their favorite buzzwords that they just keep recycling um and these words are usually like pretty vague and it's like you can't know like you can't really say that they're using it wrong but they're using it in like a weird sense of the word and it just like it makes me angry listening to them talk about this stuff because like are they even hearing what they're saying or are they just talking words at people hoping to convert them? Sorry, I'm a little bit biased about this one. Four, encourage only good and proper thoughts. Five, hypnotic techniques used to alter mental states undermine critical thinking and even to age regress the members. Churches that make you super emotional or where they have like praise and worship before um before the sermon that gets like really spirited are A more mild example I guess. As embarrassed of it as I am now my mom once made me go to this this youth thing and it was like at night and I invited some of my friends because I knew it was gonna suck and I didn't want to be there alone and because I didn't I don't really I at the time at least I didn't like associate with the youth of my church because they're all super into God. So I knew it was gonna suck and I didn't want to be there alone but there was this one point where they did like an altar call and I just started sobbing like in my seat I started crying I went up to the altar and I cried in this woman's arm for a good five minutes while like my closest friends just watched me crying in this woman's arm horrified and to this day I'm still not sure why I did that or what happened there but it was um it was a relief when I heard Mr. Atheist again (laughs) talking about like this stuff is a form of mind control and there have actually been more times where I just started weeping hysterically at church and it was it was a huge relief when I realized that this wasn't that it wasn't just me and when I realized that this wasn't like proof of anything because what I had been struggling with after that was that Maybe, maybe the reason that I started weeping uncontrollably was because God wanted me to start weeping uncontrollably because there was no buildup to that. I just, like, tears just started pouring and it was, it was so nice to hear that. It was so nice to, to be told that this is a normal thing that can happen to people when they've been, indoctrinated and I'm not gonna say that I was part of a cult because there are people who have had it way worse than me in terms of indoctrination and my my church is pretty tame I still go to church by the way six memories are manipulated and false memories are created actually I still go to the church that I've started um hysterically weeping at I've gone there all my life uh, yeah memories are manipulated false memories are created there are some repeats in here which is fine it's just that they overlap with other things and so they say them again which is fine so if there are any repeats I'm going to mention them but I'm probably not going to give an example seven teach thought stopping techniques that shut down reality testing by stopping negative thoughts and allowing only positive thoughts including denial rationalization justification wishful thinking and chanting meditating and praying Um, a lot of the more conservative Christian sects use this technique especially to like with the youth if you're having unholy thoughts you you should start praying as soon as they happen to stop uh, to stop them from happening stop what you're doing and pray especially like gay youth if you start having unholy thoughts stop what you're doing and pray speaking in speaking in tongues they do this at my church and I used to think it was cool because I was like whoa how are they doing that but now I just get sad when someone starts speaking in tongues. Uh, I wouldn't say they do it as a thought-stopping technique, though. More like self-indoctrination. Singing or humming, rejection of rational analysis, critical thinking, and constructive criticism. Christians do this so hard. Like, if you're just talking about everyday life things around the right type of Christian, they might cringe and be like, oh, don't say that, the words you speak come true. Or if you're having a conversation and they stumble, and it's like yeah i've been feeling sick recently and then they like correct them and correct themselves and add under their breath no i i haven't been i rebuke that um i can't point out any specific denomination but it's a pretty popular mindset among especially the women who go to my church which i'll go ahead and say i'm not, i'm not i'm not positive now because there was like this weird church drama but when I was younger, uh, they used to say all the time that we were a Pentecostal church, but I haven't heard them say that. So maybe maybe my view of Christianity is a little bit skewed because I did go to a Pentecostal church, but they aren't, they're really tame. I, I know you've probably, if you are familiar with cults, you've probably heard that the Pentecostals are like the, the crazy Christians, but I don't think they're as bad as Baptists. At least my church isn't. Forbid critical questions about the leader, doctrine, or policy. Shelley Miscavige. <clears throat> 10. Labeling alternative belief systems as illegitimate, evil, or not used to. Most major religions do it, namely because it's like a my way or eternal damnation type philosophy. Doesn't leave a lot of room for tolerance. 11. Instill a new map of reality. Now we're on to emotion control. I feel like I've gone over a lot of this in the other section, so I probably won't spend a lot of time on emotion control, but I'm going to I'm going to still read through it. One, manipulate and narrow the range of feelings. Some emotions and or needs are deemed evil, wrong, or selfish. Teach emotion stopping techniques to block feelings of homesickness, anger, and doubt. Make the person feel that the problems are always their own fault, never the leader's or the group's fault. Okay, here's a new example. The Lord Our Righteousness Church. Their leader, Michael Travesser, in addition to being a disgusting and horrible uh, pedophile and all-around terrible man, slept with pretty much all the women on his compound, and when he had angry husbands knocking at his door, he told them, I know you're angry at God for telling me to do this, so go pray about it. Pretty much just saying pretty much just saying that like he had no choice but to sleep with their wives you you get it go go talk to god about it it's not me it's god four promote feelings of guilt or unworthiness such as a identity guilt again common among christianity uh christian christian and islamic sex and individuals uh b you're not living up to your potential c your family is deficient Your past is suspect. Your affiliations are unwise. Your thoughts, feelings, actions are irrelevant or selfish. Social guilt, historical guilt. Five, instill fear, such as fear of thinking independently and the outside world. There's a video of a bunch of members of the Branch Davidians that was taken before the fires. It's basically just... A bunch of them saying that they don't want to leave the compound and that they shouldn't be forced to I can only imagine that Koresh had instilled some had instilled some kind of fear of the outside world into them that if they wouldn't even leave to allow the FBI to investigate the claims, so they could be cleared of wrongdoing I mean they I can only imagine that they were scared of what was on the outside C enemies D losing one's salvation E being shunned or leaving or being shunned by the group jehovah's witnesses are big on shunning the amish too which is interesting because there's that whole story in the bible about like the prodigal son where the son squandered his inheritance but then he comes back and he's welcomed with open arms so to me that says that shunning is a pretty anti-christian thing to do F, others' disapproval, six extremes of emotional highs and lows, love bombing and praise one moment and then declaring you're a horrible sinner the next. Uh, I don't have an example for this, but I do want to acknowledge that some of you might not know what love bombing is. And I'm also gonna pause because I have to pee. So, this, ooh, so this word love bombing, it's used mainly it's used mainly in two ways it's used when talking about cults um but much more often it's used when talking about domestic violence or domestic domestic abuse uh, manipulation it's used a lot like there are a lot of articles like how to tell if you're dating a narcissist or something so that should tell you something right there it's kind of a cute phrase love bombing like i'm imagining like a, like a little gun that shoots like heart emojis you know like those memes anyway Love bombing is basically it's it's fast paced. it's uh, it's it's intense. everything's happening at once. You're getting all this love and all this praise and it's all happening at once. It has nothing to do with with loving you as an individual. It has everything to do with you being another individual to love, I guess, you being another individual to to have control imposed over. That doesn't sound like the right way to phrase that, but that's okay. So, what love bombing is in in the the cult sense would be being welcomed into uh this this group really quickly and everyone's really nice and you think you finally you finally found a place where you you love the people you love what they're saying and and they love you too because you went in there and they were all happy to see you and they were they were hugging and loving on you, and it was just it was so intense, and every time you go, you have like a rush of emotion, but it's not real love. The thing about love is that it's about you as an individual it's about it's about knowing you as a person, not not having you as as something to be controlled there there aren't a lot of there aren't uh, I mean there obviously are like circumstantial differences but I I would say that uh the differences between like like dating a narcissist and uh being part of a cult there's not a lot of difference like you could use the same definition and it would apply to both um circum- circumstantially obviously it's gonna be different because it's It's a group versus with an individual. But that's love bombing. I'm just explaining that because I didn't know what it was. Maybe you did, but everyone else did. I could kind of guess. All right, we're getting to the end of my notes here. So I'm just going to kind of kind of plow through it. These are all mostly things that we've already discussed. Uh, Fear of other people's disapproval. Six extremes of emotional highs and lows. Love bombing and praise one moment and then declaring your horrible. Oh, that's where I just was ritualistic and sometimes public confessions of sin, phobia, indoctrination, inculcating irrational fears about leaving the group or questioning the leader's authority, no happiness or fulfillment possible outside of the group, terrible consequences if you leave, hell, demon possession, incurable diseases, accidents, suicide, insanity, 10,000 reincarnations, etc. c. shunning of those who leave, fear of being rejected by friends and family, There's never legitimate reason to leave. Those who leave are weak or undisciplined, unspiritual, worldly, brainwashed by family or a counselor, seduced by money, sex, or rock and roll. E. Threats to harm. Threats of harm to ex-member and family. That was Stephen Hassan's bite model. Actually, I've heard it said, like, Hassan. I feel like Hassan is more accurate, though. I'm gonna have to hear how he introduces himself but that is that is Stephen Hassan's bite model and I wanted to make an episode about it because I want us to I'll be very clear on what I'm going to be calling a cult it's not everything but it's also not not all religions I guess Hassan was in a cult and he's done a lot of research. He, he works with ex-cult members. He knows what he's talking about. He, I trust him. I, I really like the bite model. I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm, I'm biased because I'm super in favor of having like a set of, um, a set of criteria For what we can call a cult because up until I heard about the bite model I had only I had only really heard the you the word used like colloquially Was that a word? Anyway, but I had never heard like a real Set definition of of the word cult. I was like, is there? Is there any limit to what we can call a cult? Is there is there any use even using the word as a description Because the word, it's so watered down that it doesn't even mean anything anymore. Like, the the channel that used to be called the Three Mormons, I don't know what they're called now. Like, something LDS. It used to be called the Three Mormons. They had a video that was called something along the lines of, are Mormons a cult? And they just went through, like, the colloquial definitions of the word cult and we're like oh every every religion's a cult if you listen to this and when I when I watched that it was part of a reaction video and the person reacting to it was like literally no you're you're wrong don't use that definition because you're just perpetuating this uh, this watering down of the word cult so I was I was absolutely overjoyed when I found out that the bite model was a thing and that it was it was widely accepted. And so, hopefully you listen to this all the way through. And if you didn't, but you intend on on listening to my my podcast, well, you won't even be hearing this, will you? But I'm just going to go ahead and say what I was going to say anyway. Hopefully, even if you didn't want to listen to me talk about it, you did some research about the bite model because if you do want to be able to enjoy the the cult part of my podcast I guess it's it's definitely better if you if we have a kind of understanding about what a cult is because I feel like it obviously it has a really negative connotation attached to it but at the same time a lot of people are part of what I would consider a cult and I would consider things that check off well I don't know because there's no there's no set line for what I would consider a cult which is why unless it's something that is that that checks off most of the things on this list unless it's something that is most of these things I don't know that I would feel good calling it a cult I would probably say it has some some cult-like attributes or something to that effect because most organizations have a lot of these attributes. Thanks for listening to me talk. Um, sorry if it, if it wasn't very interesting, but if you listen to it through all the way, I'm really glad. Thank you so much. And I hope that you learned a little something because I learned, I got to, to know the list more intimately doing this. And I got to go through the things that I, I consider to be cults, the things that I consider to be, um, cult-like aspects again thank you so much this is um the first bonus episode which i don't now that i think about it i don't i mean i don't i don't hate recording alone but i think it's a lot more interesting when i have a guest so i might i might try to keep the bonus episodes where i'm alone to a minimum i i like recording by myself i just feel like it's not as interesting as having another person obviously but uh huh I, even though it's a bonus episode, I feel like I should still do a song of the week. I'm gonna say Total Revenge by Say Anything. That's our song of the week, because I like that song, and I'm, I'm just feeling it. So, that is the end of what I have to say about Stephen Hassan's bite Model. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at wholesome underscore VC. I'm on YouTube, but it's literally just the audio from my podcast, and over laid over a a picture of the the podcast uh art if you can call it that if you if you choose to call it that hopefully one day I might I might put a little bit more production value into the youtube videos um but you can find that I think if you look up the cannibal podcast it should come up otherwise look up nd goblin but I mean, if you're listening to it on a podcast thing, you can just keep doing that too. But follow me on social media to be the first to hear when I'm working on something new and fun. I also post some extra little bits, maybe some some teasers for the upcoming episodes, things like that. I also will usually uh, tag my guest of the week in some stuff, so if you want to... If you want to know more about my guests, my social media is the place to do it. Again, thanks for listening. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. You keep doing your thing. I'm gonna go. Bye.